Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Matthew chapter number 27 is where we're going to be this morning. As Pastor Josh mentioned, we're going to be talking about the cross, uh, something that we are very familiar with, but uh, oftentimes we... uh, we have to be careful that we don't uh, keep it fresh in our hearts um, and, and allow it to uh, motivate us to live for Christ. And the cross is very important um, in the life of a believer. Today is what we call Palm Sunday. And uh, Palm Sunday, or the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ, and it's where Jesus comes into, he enters Jerusalem uh, riding on a donkey And people begin to uh, lay out palm branches and their coats and clothing uh, for him as he enters into Jerusalem. Uh, As they they start saying and proclaiming Hosanna, uh, which is to say, uh, blessed is the king of Israel uh, that cometh in the name of the Lord. And what was that doing? That was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, wasn't it? Uh, We find that in the Old Testament prophesied and he comes into uh, Jerusalem. Well, less than a week after uh, them proclaiming him king of the Jews, uh, uh, just less than a week after this significant event in Jesus's life, the king, Jesus, is arrested and he's put on trial and he's brought to Pilate and they they bring him to Pilate so that he would give the approval to kill Jesus. Pilate examines Jesus, he questions him, and he comes to the conclusion, I find no fault in him. And the Jews cry out, crucify him. He says, why? He hasn't done anything wrong. And they yell, crucify him, crucify him. And so after being beaten and mocked, they led him up to Golgotha Hill, where they place him on the cross. And we come to verse number 45 in our text, Matthew chapter number 27 where we find ourselves, he's on the cross, and we see as he takes his, his last breath, starting in verse number 45. The Bible says that now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. I want us all to be reminded this morning of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross over 2000 years ago. I want us to look back to that day when Jesus died for us on the cross. Let us remember the cross as we consider three aspects this morning of his sacrifice that I pray that we'll never forget. 
that we will keep it fresh in our hearts and in our minds. I believe that we, as we will celebrate the resurrection next Sunday, and I'm excited about that, and I'm looking forward to that as we've talked about this morning. I believe the resurrection is the pinnacle of the gospel. But if Jesus did not go to the cross, friends, there would be no salvation. If Jesus did not go to the cross, friends, there would be no atonement for sin. There would be no shedding of the blood for sin. There would be no resurrection if it wasn't for the cross. And so as we look at these three aspects this morning, I first want to see this morning the cruelty of the cross. The cruelty of the cross. Go back to in Matthew chapter 27. Go back to verse number 27. And the Bible says this, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. We find here the cruelty of the cross. We find a cruel crown here. We just talked about the triumphal entry was less than a week ago where they were, they were proclaiming him king of the Jews and they were shouting Hosanna and less than a week, they are now taking a, a, a crown of thorns and they're placing it upon their head, upon his head, mocking him. It's a symbol of a, of a rejected king. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 19, verse 15, but they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? He asked them that question. And they said, the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. They refused to allow Jesus to reign over them. According to Luke chapter 19, the Bible says, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. It was a cruel cross. With a cruel crown, they took this crown upon uh, of thorns. And if you, if you look and you study out those thorns there in the Middle East, they're, they're not these little rosebush thorns that we see here uh, in Florida, but, but there were these massive thorns that they made into a crown and they put it on, their, on his head and they began to beat that upon his head. It was a cruel crown, but also we see a cruel crowd. Look at verse number 39. The Bible says this, then were the two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, thou, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and the elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Verse number 40, uh, 42, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Listen, this shows us here a, a, a rejected servant. How did Jesus come when he came to this earth? He, come, he came humbly, didn't he? 
He came to go to the cross. He humbled himself as a servant and became obedient unto the death of the cross. He didn't come as a cruel king. Jesus didn't come say, and say, hey, bow at my feet, and if you don't, I'm going to snap my fingers and you'll be wiped off the face of the earth. That's not, could he have done that? Yes, but he didn't. He came as a servant. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to redeem us, to buy us back. He wasn't a cruel king. He came in love and humility to save sinners. The Bible says that he came unto his own and his own received him not. How sad. He came unto his own and his own received him not. The king of eternity came to the world that he created and he was rejected by the very people he came to save. He was rejected by the very people that he created in his own image. It was a cruel crowd. But also we see the cruel cross. Look at verse number 35. And they crucified him. They parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation, written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. They crucified him. Now, if you study the crucifixion, it's one of the most excruciating deaths you could ever imagine. It was a form of execution that the Romans adopted from the Persians. They used it really as a, as a scare tactic. You don't bow down to Caesar, this is what's going to happen to you. And they made it public for all to see. It was an excruciating death that, that they would go through. This was a symbol of a rejected savior. The Bible talks about the sufferings of the cross in Psalm chapter 22, verses 15 through 18. The Bible says, my strength is dried up like a pot's herd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast broken me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. It was a horrible death where they would take your hands and they would nail it to the cross. I don't mean to be graphic this morning, but that's what they did to Jesus. They nailed his hands to the cross. Oftentimes they would tie a rope to the forearm just so that that nail would not rip the flesh. They would then take his, the individual's feet and they would cross them and nail their legs into the cross in order for them to, to be able to push up just to get a breath, just to get some oxygen. And oftentimes the crucifixion would last many, many hours, sometimes even days, to where they would eventually die from a lack of oxygen or die from a loss of blood. The Bible says in Isaiah 50 verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's what Jesus did. He went through all of that. It was a cruel, cruel cross. But also we see this morning, I want us to see that the, the cries on the cross there were several cries throughout the synoptic gospels that we see that Jesus made when he was on the cross. 
We find here in the book of Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 46, look at that with me. It says this, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We see a forsaken cry. Listen, when Jesus became sin on that cross, he was forsaken by the Father. Hebrews 1 verse 13 tells us that. For the first time in all of eternity, there was a loss of fellowship between the Father and the Son. Why? Because Jesus was judged as sin on that cross. And he cried out to God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, for he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Amen who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We see the cry of the forsaken cry. But we also see a forgiving cry in the book of Luke, verse number 23, or chapter 23, verse 34 says this, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Jesus, we find here, ends his his ministry as he began it in prayer, in prayer to the Father. Listen, what could Jesus have done at that moment? He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have snapped his fingers and taken care of them. But instead, he, he, he exercised grace, amen? And he said, he said to the father, he said, hey, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. Would you forgive them? You mean to tell me those people that were punching him in the face? Yes, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The individuals who were plucking his beard and spitting upon him, those individuals, yes, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The ones that nailed him to the cross, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Tyler, bro, father, forgive him for he knows not what he does. We see a forgiving cry. But we also see a favoring cry in the book of Luke, first chapter 23, verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Who's he talking to? The thief on the cross. What a wonderful, wonderful story. Listen, even as he was dying, Jesus demonstrated the reason why he came into this world. He extended grace to one who was totally undeserving of it. He was extended, and and understand this morning that he has extended that same grace to you. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I love, uh, there's a pastor by the name of Alistair Begg, and he He gives an example of the thief on the cross. And I'm not going to say it exactly as how he says it, but he said, when that thief on the cross got to heaven, they asked him, how did you get here? Why are you here? You don't don't deserve to be here. And, And he said and looked at them and said, well, the man on the middle cross said that I could come. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Aren't you thankful today that the man on the middle cross said that you could come? We see a favoring cry. 
But we also see a fervent cry in John chapter 19, verse number 28 says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. This emphasizes his humanity. Jesus felt everything that he was going through. You understand the one who made all water suffered thirst for you. He did without physical water on that cross so that you and I might have a free drink of spiritual water this morning. And John chapter four, verse number 14 says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I'm thankful he has given me everlasting water to where I will never thirst again. But then we see a finishing cry. I love this one. A finishing cry. He says in John chapter 19, verse number 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Amen? It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. It is finished. It's a Greek word, testelestai. And it means to bring to a close, to end, to finish what was finished? What, what, what is he crying about? Well, his sufferings finished, didn't they? The sacrificial system was finished. Amen? The sacrificial system was finished. Sin's power was finished. All of those things were finished. Notice here that Jesus did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And what that shows us is that it was a statement of a victor and not of a victim. Amen? Amen? I love that song that, that sometimes uh, we sing, and I'd love for our choir to sing it sometime, but it's, it goes like this. Our God is victorious. He always wins. He always wins. Amen? Nothing ever can, nothing ever will overcome the Lord our God. He's a good God. A finishing cry. But also we see a farewell cry. In Luke chapter 23 and verse number 46, it says, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Notice here that it was Jesus himself that gave up the ghost. No man killed him. He laid down his life. He laid down his life freely for you and for me. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You see the cries in the cross. Church, man, I don't know about you, but this just makes me fired up. These cries that Jesus made on the cross, it should impact us. It should drive us to tell others, listen, we should have this place full next week. Why? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. We see in the cross the cruelty of it. We see the cries on the cross, but then I want us to lastly see the cause. Why did he go through all of this? Why did he go through all of this? Look at verse number 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, Jesus here was not questioning God. He was quoting Psalm 22. It was, a, it was a deep expression 
of the anguish that he felt when he took on the sin of the world, causing him to be separated from the father. This is what Jesus dreaded when he prayed to God in the garden. Yes, listen, the physical aspect and the agony that we spoke of earlier was horrible. But even worse was the period of spiritual separation from God. Jesus suffered this double death so that you and I would never have to experience eternal separation from God ever. Why did he do it? Because of our condition. Our condition, we are all sinners, amen? There's not one person in here today that is not a sinner. The Bible says that as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. It says, for all have come short of the glory of God. Listen, the result of our sin is, uh, for the wages of sin is what, church? Death. It's an eternal separation from God. And Jesus came to deliver us from that condition. The Bible says in Luke, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Mark 10, for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And he went through all of that because of our sinful condition. And he has given us, praise God, the free gift of salvation for all who believe. Why? Because of his compassion. Because of his compassion. Why did he do what he did on that cross? His mission can be summed up in one word, and that word is love. Why did he do it? Because he loved you. You know, you were on his mind when he was on that cross. He loves you. And he did what he did because of that. In Revelation 1, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In Romans chapter 5, he says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did it because he loved you. Jesus was God, amen? Let me try that again. Jesus was God, amen? But he was also man. And he felt everything. He knew it was going to be cruel, but he went through it. He went through with his father's plan because he loved you and he loved me so much. But also we see the cause in verse number 50 and 51. It's an incredible thing that happened when, when Jesus gave up the ghost. It says in 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks did rent. Listen, the curtain that separated the holy place and the whole, most holy place, it was split in two at Christ's death, which symbolizes that the barrier between God and man was removed, amen? Now all people, 
are free to approach God because of Christ's sacrifice for our sin. Because of the cross, we now have direct access to God. We have become our own priests, amen? No longer do we go through man to get to God. Jesus is now the mediator between God and man. But also we see in verse number 52, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection. When Jesus dies, <clears throat> there's this massive earthquake. I'm sure, I'm sure it scared people out of their minds. It, I'm sure it caused damage. But while this earthquake is taking place, the tombs of believers begin to open. They began to become prepared for the resurrection when Jesus is raised again on the third day. John Gill said this, this was proof of Christ's power over death and the grave. By dying, when he, through death, destroyed him that had the power of it and abolished death itself and became the plague of death and the destruction of the grave, taking into his hands the keys of hell and death. Listen, he went to the cross and he died so that he could prove his power over death and Satan. And if it wasn't for the cross, church, there would be no resurrection. If it wasn't for the cross, church, there would be no salvation. There would be no atonement. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. In that old rugged cross stained with blood, so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For twas on that old cross, Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. To the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. Let that be your prayer. To the old rugged cross, will I ever be true? It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown church. Let's always remember the cross. Let's always remember the cross. And let's go throughout this week remembering what Christ did for us on the cross that day over 2,000 years ago. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.